Good morning, Porch Church. Happy Father's Day. Good to be with you. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, Father's Day, a beautiful day. Fatherhood, as, as we unpack it and as we look into it, I think we peel back and we actually find ourselves in the very heart of God. The psalmist says that the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. You know, I have a couple of friends recently who have just become fathers for the first time and they just had their, their first children. And, and it's been fun to, to watch them kind of enter into this journey of fatherhood, the way that it's opened up their life, their you know tenderness, their compassion, their love for their child. And it's this new expression, this new way that they express themselves fully and who they are. And, and me personally, you know, I've just been blessed by so many different men. Uh, that have invested in me, that have loved me, that have believed in me, that have mentored me, that have been deeply involved in my life. And I don't know where I would be without that role of, of fatherhood in my life. And I think in the Christian tradition, we have this glorified and magnified, this beautiful understanding what fatherhood is because it's one of the primary ways in which the entire scriptures describes the God that we love, that we serve, and that we worship. And, and I think it's why, it explains why, when the experience of fatherhood is one of absence, or one of void, or it's been twisted in some way, I think that explains why the feelings of pain can be so amplified. Um, though, you know, I, I fundamentally, you know, love uh, that we get to celebrate this day together. I, I realize that it's a hard day for many of us, me included. Uh, in the United States, in America, almost one in four kids today are growing up without a dad. And so the reality is it's either you or it's a close friend, someone that you know that has lost a dad to death or to imprisonment, to abandonment, or divorce. And, and I had a friend write something um, just this week that, that I thought was beautiful. And he said, if you're grieving because your dad is absent, God is drawing close to you. He quotes Psalm 68 and he says, God is a father to the fatherless and defender of widows. And even if your father or your mother forsake you, the Lord will take you in. And, and that's the story of scripture. That's the great narrative, that's the great invitation, is that through Jesus all of us are, are being adopted as children into God's family. I don't mean to say that trite, in a, in a trite way, or to neglect the pain that can come with a day like this, but I think that's truth, that's reality, that all of us are being adopted into this greater family. And so I think as a church we get to hold the whole of it. We get to hold all of it. We get to hold the beauty of fatherhood. We get to hold the challenges of, of, you know, what it looks like to be a father and to raise children and to the, the responsibility and pressures that come with that. You know, we completely acknowledge it and then we acknowledge the pain. We acknowledge the reality of the absence of the role of the father in our country. And so I want to just offer a prayer this morning. Uh, I want to offer a blessing from Paul's letter to the book of Ephesians. And it's a prayer over all of us, but it's a prayer especially 
to the fathers in this room today as we celebrate you and as we show you the love and appreciation we have for you. So Ephesians 3 says, May God, out of his glorious riches, strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and may you, being rooted and established in love, fathers, have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how deep and how high is the love of Christ. And may you know that love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And he ends by saying, may God, who is utterly able to do immeasurably more for you and in you than all you can ever ask or imagine. Amen. Fathers, we're grateful that you're here with us this morning and we continue to pray that over you. So this is my second week with you, Will, uh, with his family celebrating Father's Day and I'm honored to be able to get to wrap up a series. We've been talking about hope in the dark. Hope in the dark and, and this has obviously been a season like many of us have never experienced before. A unique season, a strange season, a hard season. And honestly, it feels a bit dark if we were to look into the future. It's very hard uh, to grasp. It's very hard to grasp what the future might look like uh, when it comes to the day-to-day, -day, when we look forward to, to what might be a return um, to, to normal. The, the future can feel dark. And I, and I think it's actually... The, the pertinence of this message is that the dark, which often feels like a place that none of us would want to go, can sometimes be the most formative place for our soul if we allow it to be. And there's a great hope in, in the work that God wants to do in us when we are in this dark place. Though, you know, we may not want to be there. And that sometimes circumstances feel completely out of our control. Uh, we, we believe that God wants to do a deep work within us. And so last week I, I talked, to you, talked to all of you and we talked together about the, the process of waiting and, and the power and the importance of recognizing who we're becoming in that process of waiting. That waiting is just this fundamentally hard thing for so many of us to do, but it's the reality of where we live most of our life. That space between where we are and where we want to be is often the hardest. But I think the power of that hardness of it is that it's an incredibly formative season. It's in that space between that there is profound power and agony that shapes our inner life. It shapes our inner world. It shapes who we're becoming. And the great invitation of Jesus is to become more and more like him. Not to just do the very things that he did, but to live as authentically and as deeply and as much into the image of Christ within us as we possibly can. And that can take so many shapes and forms, but it takes a recognition of paying attention to who we're becoming in the season that we're in. And the reality is this season for many of us is a dark one. It's a hard one. It's a challenging one. And today, I, to, to wrap up this, this uh, series, I, I want to offer a bit of a reflection and an invitation to go deeper, to continue to go deeper as a community and as a family. 
into what God might be doing in our hearts during the season as we um, as we gather, you know, from our homes and as we socially distance and, and and you know. So yesterday I was I was on the phone with a good friend and um, he's been going through uh, when it rains it pours kind of season um, a new father and uh, his, his baby has you know had um, some illnesses and he recently lost a job. And, you know, it just feels like when it rains, it pours in his season. He was explaining, you know, we've been talking about this quite a bit. And then all of a sudden, he just changed the conversation, the tone of the conversation. And he asked me this question. He said, so where are you? There was a pause. And he said, like, where is your soul and how is your soul doing? Where are you? caught me off guard a little bit in the moment wasn't what we were talking about and and there was a long pause and I just said to him um you know I'm fine and he said to me you seem really just uh he's like I don't I don't mean to like offend you or anything but you just seem very distracted uh I feel like through this process you haven't showed a, a whole lot of empathy to me said, so you seem distracted, a little bit detached, without emotion lately. And he's like, I just want to see if you're, if you're okay. And I, I paused again for a while, and I wasn't quite sure what to say. And I said, you know, this last couple of months have been, I, I just don't even know where to begin. I, I feel all of those things distracted, detached, without emotion at this point, just wanting to get through life. Uh, and I don't know what it is. Is it, is it, is it COVID and the effects of COVID um, and the ways that it changed, you know, what I thought the future was going to look like? Is it, uh, I said to him, is it all of the things that are just going on in the world, all the, all the news reports taking place all of the time? Is it the, the racial tensions and struggles that are being revealed in our country? Is it the reality of the stock market just continues to go up and down and we don't know the, you know, the economic state or the future of what things are going to look like? I don't even know what to believe about what, where coronavirus is headed going into the future. Said, I just feel like I'm trying to be pragmatic. I'm trying to make sure my marriage is going okay. I'm trying to make sure that work uh, and this nonprofit I run and the people I love in Uganda are able to keep moving forward. And then on the weekends, it's like I just try to distract myself by maybe just taking care of the lawn and working on some project at my house. He goes, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, I just kind of dumped that on you. And I said, I'm really grateful for that question. Where are you? You know, funny enough, it's actually the first question that's asked in the scriptures. If you were to open up to Genesis chapter 3, we're just a few chapters in to the story of creation, the creation of mankind, how God blessed them and you know, invited them to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. Um, Genesis chapter 3, right after eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, starting in verse 8, 
says, Then the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day. God's like dwelling with them. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man, called to his creation and said, where are you? Where are you? It's the first question in the scriptures. Where are you? The Hebrew word, just a single word, it's actually a question. Ayika. Ayika. Where are you? In English, it, it means where are you, but for an all-knowing God, it kind of seems like a silly question to ask his creation. But actually, the question has very little to do with one's physical location. It's not a question asked to locate someone and where they're at. It's a question asked to locate someone's current emotional and spiritual location. Where are you? It's a question for us to use to ask ourselves to discern where we are in our own journey. Again, who are we becoming? Where are we at today? Can we identify it? What is the state of our souls? Where are we currently at in our relation to a God who loves us, cares for us, calls us his children, created us? Where are we in relation to that God? The question is really this invitation um, uh, to look closely into ourselves and figure out, to discover where, where are we at now? And I think the power of it is, is, is perhaps in how we answer it. Because the beauty of the question is, is that it's really not about God. God's not asking, where are you? Because he doesn't know. He's asking the question because it's about them. The question's about Adam and Eve. Ultimately, the question, where are you, is about us. It's about us. Where are we on our journey? Where are we on that journey inward? Where are you? And here's the reality, in, in, I think in this season, in, in a lot of life, many of us are in the dark, whether it's the dark of a hard place or it's the dark of just uncertainty or it's the dark about where we want to be. Many of us live in the dark and we don't really know what's going on. We're living like trying to describe the landscape in the middle of the night. Life often just feels uncertain, feels hard. Marriage feels confusing. Raising kids feels like we don't quite know what we're doing. Our job at times can feel unfulfilling. And unfortunately, 
the life of the church at times can feel like this place where our response is often not to answer that question fully about where we are or to dig deep into locating the state of our souls. But oftentimes we hide. We cover it up. We don't want to show where we really are. We don't even want to ask the question of where others really are. We hide the hard stuff. Oftentimes we feel like we need to clean up before we can show up. We need to have it together before we can reveal what's going on in our souls. And I actually think that the greatest, one of the greatest hopes that we can find as a church and as individuals, one of the greatest hopes we can find in the dark is learning to show up to God and to others with all of who we are and with all of who we carry. One of the greatest things that we can offer one another is this ability to show up, number one. And number two, the ability to ask each other that question and to continue to do that inventory, to continue to do the introspection. There's another Hebrew word that's often used throughout the scriptures, and, and I want to kind of give a little bit of a juxtaposition of its response. Another word is this word, hineni. Hineni, you can say it to one another, hineni. And it's used all throughout the scriptures as a response to God when he calls, when he asks a question. And, and it's translated something like, here am I. Some scholars just say it's like someone showing up. Here am I, Hanani. It's really interesting if you were to read that response, that, that those moments when God's people will say, Hanani, here am I. They'll do it when they're terrified. They'll respond to it when they're ashamed, when they're trembling, when they're excited, when, you know, they've woken up from a deep sleep. And even when they feel uncertain, are we willing to show up when asked, where are you? I found that in the times of darkness, in those dark places, showing up with all of who we are can be one of the hardest things. It's, I heard it once said that primitive religion tells us that our responsibility is to clean up, but the invitation of a mature faith, of a mature religion, is really the discipline of showing up. The discipline of being present, the discipline of revealing our uncertainty or the hardships that we're going through. And I believe when we show up to God and to one another, that's when the real work can begin. And my greatest desire for the porch and for all of us is that we could learn how to show up. That these times that we go through in life, we wouldn't distract ourselves, we wouldn't get busy, we wouldn't work endlessly and then zone out and watch TV. We wouldn't skim through life, but we would take God on with what he asks us and we would go deep. 
we would take that deep journey inward in discovering all that God has for us and the ways that he wants to transform us, that we would be people willing to say, Hineni, here am I. We would be willing to show up and that we would care enough, we would be bold enough to ask that question, where are you, to one another, that we would invite one another into the depths of what God has for us, into locating the state of our souls often and frequently. It's a sacred question, I believe, that we can ask one another. Where are you? Because if you're any bit like me, you feel unbelievably far from where you wish that you were in your journey with God. From a maturity standpoint, from a patient standpoint, from a dedication to following Jesus. And you need those people to ask those hard questions like my buddy did to me. To help set you on that right alignment. To help set you on that path of experiencing all that God has for you. Can we be a church willing to go into those dark places, to ask about the state of one another's souls. And also, can we show up and can we be honest about what's going in and on in our own souls and in our own hearts? Ayika, where are you spiritually? This, I believe, is where hope will begin. Wading through the darkness is actually the journey. Paying attention to where we are on this path and on this walk is actually the journey. The center, there's an organization called the Center or Aika Center. I love how they say it. They say that the journey is the destination. The journey is the destination. The Christian invitation is how can we live life as deeply and as authentically as we possibly can on the whole journey? It's not necessarily about that end goal or that end destination. It's about the deep formative process of who are we becoming? How are we being formed along the way? And I think that in the darkness and the waiting and the hardships and the uncertainty, those are the very places that will define us. Those are the very places where we can experience the depths and the intimacy that God's inviting us into. But will we be bold enough as a community, as families, to continue to ask ourselves the, that hard question, where are you? And so that's my invitation. If you're at home and you're with your family, ask one another, ask your kids, where are you spiritually? Where is your soul in location to God? And if you're single and you're at home, call a friend, call someone from the church and ask each other, where are you? And show up with all of who you are. And I believe that as a community, we will form a bond that will help us live into our mission to be a light. We, as we show up, will be the hope for others in darkness. 
hope and peace and blessings over your Father's Day. Love you all.